Welcome back to See Also. I'm Brady Lancaster. I'm Kate Jinx. BL, what have you been up to? Jinxie, I've been at various houses lately. I've been at the Malt House. I've been at Szechuan House. <laughs> and my own house. End of list. <laughs> I went to host a panel last night for the 30th anniversary of Looking for Ella Brandy, all about adapting Melina Marquetta's book into first the film and then the stage show. That's currently the Mold House. And Melina was there. My queen, Pia Miranda, who played Josie in the film, was there. Icon. Love seeing pictures of my cat on Twitter, apparently. And then the playwright and director of the new stage adaptation, Vidya Rajan and Stephen Nicolazzo were there. And it was really nice just being in a room full of people who, like, also wanted to listen to an anecdote about Pia Miranda running into Kit Gurry before she auditioned for the role. Borrowed his copy of Looking for Ella Brandy to prepare. So so cute. So cute. And yeah, I went to Sichuan House for dinner on the weekend and witnessed uh, an argument out of reality TV in person. (laughs) Please do tell. It was so thrilling. I'd had, look, I'd had a few wines and a martini and a few more wines. So my friends and I were like a little charged, but um, we weren't involved. I was about to say we weren't involved in the fight. We kind of were involved in the fight, but (laughs) there was... There was a fight? Yeah, there was a fight. There was a family who were leaving... And we got the gist that they had decided they weren't going to pay for the food that they didn't eat because they don't like spicy food. At Szechuan House. At Szechuan House. It's in the name. Yeah, it's kind of in the name, babes. And the owners of Szechuan House were not taking it. There was yelling. There was uh, the door being locked so that no one could leave or enter. A lockout. (laughs) Yeah, there was a lockout and we were the table closest to the door. And um, this is like Dakota Johnson at uh, Starbucks. Do you remember that? Or like, wasn't, do you see that lock? (laughs) She was locked out or in? No, she locked people inside a cafe. I think it was, you know, publicity stunt for something, but it was a (laughs) a cafe. Dakota. Yeah. Anyway. She's wild. Um, And so is my friend Amelia, who decided to get involved as the, like one of the daughters I was referring to as Snooki, Mm -hmm. because she was kind of like if season one Snooki had flat hair and enough money for a YSL crossbody purse, which she had. And um, she was doing a lot of the yelling and yelling things like, have some respect. Oh my God, don't, don't talk to us like that. You sound like a psycho. And then at one point went over to the door to talk to someone else from their party who had been locked out. And my friend Amelia, we psyched her up and she turned around and went, um, Szechuan food is spicy though. (laughs) Now is that met? Now everyone's getting involved. Like stay out of it. It's none of your business. And then the, the person in their party who was locked outside once they all finally left motioned to my friend Oliver, who was sitting next to me, like, come out and we'll fight <laughs> silently from the other side of the door. So it got really charged. My adrenaline was spiking. It wasn't just the spice? It was both. It was fire-breathing dragons. So did they pay? What happened? We have to assume they paid because when they said they weren't going to pay, the owners locked the door and wouldn't let them leave. And then they ended up, there was more yelling, and that's when she called the owner a psycho. And then they finally did leave. Wow. I cannot wait to read the Yelp reviews for Szechuan House online. I'm keeping an eye on them because the food is delicious. The entertainment, truly unbeatable. You've <laughs> dinner had, and a show. Dinner and a show. It's like going to Dracula's. <laughs> um, you've had a much Valet. more zen few days, though, Jinxie. Yeah, I did the thing on the weekend that I have been wanting to do for so long. I cleaned the house. Oh, it was thrilling. The best. I was really, I was so happy to mm-hmm. do it because, mm-hmm. you know, I had created a tip essentially in the last couple of deadline weeks. So yeah, that was, that was a real thrill. I went to the pub for a little bit. Oh, great. Dream. What an absolutely normie weekend. A truly dream weekend. This morning I got such a thrill out of taking all of my cardboard down to the bin room. Oh, isn't it just good when you can get those things done? You got to wait for it to pile up Mm -hmm. and then once it piles up, it feels bad until Mm -hmm. you get rid of it. Yeah. I started watching the new season of Agatha Raisin. 
Aggie. I still haven't met Aggie. Well, do you know what? After saying how great it was on the pod a few weeks ago, the new season is, I don't know, it's it's very panto-y. I don't remember it being as panto. That said, I still enjoyed it. The first episode is a Christmas whodunit. Love that. Great. But you know how I was saying she has this gay from London, her best, her best gay? Well, there are so many gay sex jokes in this episode in the first like five minutes mm-hmm. it actually led me to look up if the actor was gay or not and he's not uh-huh and suddenly the whole thing feels quite homophobic <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like i just thought it was written i thought it was like i don't know the queer miss fisher or something you yeah, know yeah so I don't know if they're laughing mm. at or with, mm. you know? I really like this discovery that Agatha Ray... When you described Agatha Raisin to me, I was picturing, like, Ab Fab era. Like, Agatha's in the past. I'll go and catch up with her one day. I didn't realize she was still going. She's still going. <laughs> she's still solving murders. Oh, she is. And she's got a beautiful outfit for every scene. Well, classic Agatha. Mm-hmm, classic Agatha. <laughs> Ms. Raisin, if you're nasty. <laughs> yeah, so I watched a bit of that and that's about it. <laughs> well, you've been busy. You've been watching a lot of movies. Mm, I started the Sheila Hetty. I wanted to confirm I have started the Sheila Hetty. Oh, yeah. How was that? It's quite good so far. Yeah. What's mm. it about, this one? Oh, couldn't tell you. <laughs> it's the one with the green blob on the cover? Yeah, pure colour. Pure colour. Mm. It's um, it's essentially about three kind of types of people. There's the bird, the fish, or the bear. Okay. Mm. I'll tell you more as I <laughs> work out what I am. Well, I'm on the edge of my seat now. <laughs> I saw a movie on the weekend. I went to the Scandinavian Film Festival, I guess, is on at the moment at Palace Cinemas all over the country. And I had a look through the program knowing I'm about to spend like three solid weeks in the cinema. I was like, go easy. Don't go too hard on the Mm. Scandi Film Fest. So I booked one ticket to a film called Tuesday Club. And in Swedish, I think it's like, Taz does klubben. And it was the best two hours I've spent in a cinema in a long time. It was so fun. It's this film by a first-time director called Anika Applin, and it's about this couple who have been married for 60 years, 40 years, sorry. They're celebrating their 40th anniversary, so they're both in their 60s. And something happens that I won't spoil. That means that the um, the wife, Corin, is kind of on her own for the first time ever and, like, reconsidering her relationships and what she sacrificed to kind of raise her daughter and look after her husband in their home. And she's a really good cook. And she, this wild friend from her high school days comes back to their small town and is like, let's go to this cooking class taught by this like Swedish chef who does pan Asian cooking. And so they start going on Tuesday nights, the Tuesday club. And it's just like three sixty something ladies cooking, meeting new people, smoking weed, laughing, deciding to start a catering business together. It's like a true joy, everything I want in life. This sounds very sweet. It was really sweet. I highly recommend it. I saw it still playing all over Australia. There's like really beautiful shots of like genuinely excellent looking food. And then there's, um, (laughs) you know, like, I feel like they were like Sizzler ads where it's like close up of water, droplets on like giant lettuce leaves and like a knife slicing through it like a fake looking tomato there is a little bit of that mm-hmm. and the soundtrack does feel very um great british bake-off it's like jaunty they clearly like, know their audience. yeah because <laughs> i got like heart palpitations <laughs> when i started hearing what i thought was the great british bake-off theme so yeah tuesday club that was a really fun part of my weekend that sounds really sweet mm. oh one thing that happened today I did I did log into Twitter from my desktop BL. Me too. I did not download the app, but I logged in just to see what was going on. Uh-huh. And also I love to see what people are saying about me if I have to say. Yeah, you gotta. I was really excited to see Satan trending under 
Australian politics. Like I was really like, someone listened to that episode where I talked about satanic panic and everyone is watching Hail Satan. Everyone's talking about it. They're learning about the temple of Satan. And um, no, it was Scott Morrison saying something really fucking stupid. Of course. God loves him even though he lost an election. (laughs) I know. And that like essentially anxiety is caused by Satan is giving into Satan. Sure. Well then look, I give into Satan all the time. Yeah. Satan rules my life. (laughs) Hail. Anyway, so that was something that happened to me today. Mm. Thrilling. Logging back into Twitter on your desktop. I know, right? I'm doing it too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm taking my like freelance slash not really book writing week before I start a new full-time job next week. And I feel like I don't talk about work so much on the podcast. I, the picture of myself that I paint is like, go into the movies, go into this thing. Oh, you seem like a real gal about town and I seem I like a crone who is chained to her desk. I like trawl through my life being like, what the fuck can I talk about? That's not writing brand copy, which is what I do 40 hours a week most of the time. But yeah, today um, my book writing day involved making a cake making some sour cream flatbreads for the sole purpose of dunking them in the chili lime hummus from last week. Thank you everyone for sending me um, updates on where you've found chili lime hummus. But I have to stress that if you're not planning to supply me any, I don't want to hear about it. Congratulations. (laughs) Keep it to yourself. Yeah, you still want people to go out there and enjoy it. Please go out there and enjoy Mm. it. But yeah, sling me a couple of tubs. Yeah, I've been looking all week. Thank you. Um, have you been getting any uh, requests for film recommendations? I sure have. A lot of them coming through the DMs, which is totally fine. Uh-huh. And yeah, if you do have a specific vibe that you want to achieve at MIF this year, please get in touch. You can comment on our Instagram post from last week or send us a DM. Gorge. I'll get back to you. A personal prognosis from Jinxie. Mm-hmm. The doctor is in. I started making lists of things I'm going to do, like post-festival, getting my life back and working things out. How the- Jinxie got her groove back. <laughs> totally. And the number one thing at the moment is painting my kitchen cabinets Mm. really thinking way too long and hard over this and interiors and like celeb homes in particular is something that we have wanted to discuss here for a while BL and it is a real how long is a piece of string because I want to hear everything about your personal kitchen cabinets but I also I'm thinking about like grand properties and selling sunset and what would Cara Delevingne do? <laughs> She'd do a lot of things that I don't approve of. <laughs> I found out today she wrote YA novels. Does she? Well, her name's on them at the very okay. least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, also, oh God, I did not know. Sorry. <laughs> segue already. I can't even get through the intro. <laughs> I didn't realize that she and Selena Gomez were actually really close friends and there was a rumor that they were dating last year, but it's unfounded. They're just friends. Wait, what? She was like hanging out. They were hanging out in bikinis, having an outdoor shower together. Whoa, I didn't know this. I wonder if this is like an Ashley Benson connection because Selena was in Spring Breakers with Ashley Benson, who dated Cara Delevingne. Because remember, there was the paparazzi photos of them carrying a sex swing into their Oh, I do. House. How could I forget that? I wonder if that was her insane Willy Wonka house <laughs> with the vagina tunnel. <laughs> Did your house doesn't have one? <laughs> Mine has two. <laughs> uh-huh. um, well, yeah. Anyway, I just needed to clear that up. Wow. Okay. Well, I really am upset that the whole episode is not taking that detour now. <laughs> maybe next week. Maybe that's a topic <laughs> for next week. Maybe. Yeah. I've been thinking about this recently as well, because I've been, as well as watching a show like Selling Sunset, I've been very attuned to the news that Maurizio, Kyle's husband from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Kyle's stoner husband. Kyle's hot stone husband who looks like John Turturro. He really does look like John Turturro. Yes, who went out on his own at the start of Rehoboha to start the agency and is now one of the top, I don't know, 
top selling, top performing real estate agents in America. And I saw a news piece last week that he slash the agency is selling the home of Holly Valance and her billionaire husband for like $120 million. Foul. Foul. But also, I cannot wait for buying Beverly Hills. I can't wait. If she's not on the show... I'm going to be fuming. Holly Valance or Kyle? Holly Valance. Because mm. remember there was a rumor that she would be on Rehoboha this season. Mm-hmm. Obviously she's not. But it's all obviously in this like selling sunset expanded universe now, I guess, of like very glitzy, disgusting, empty concrete homes in in LA. Oh yeah. I mean, no one is watching. I certainly hope no one is watching Selling Sunset because they think those houses are nice because, oh my God. I mean, the views are obviously incredible generally. Yeah. Yeah. The houses are just like charisma voids. Yeah. They're like giant steel tennis courts (laughs) (laughs) with roofs. (laughs) Yeah. They're really awful. And the staging is generally pretty bad. I don't know. They're just, there's nothing. There's nothing there. The reason we watch is for these, like, for the display of wealth that it shows. Because we're certainly not watching for, yes, style or even, like, architectural value. It's not like they're, you know, beautiful mid-century homes that have been, like, lovingly preserved and are now $50 million. No, and in one episode they were making fun of, like, having to sell houses in, like, Los Feelers. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, those houses are probably going to be nice. They're probably going to be beautiful and people who are interesting live in them. (laughs) Totally. The houses on Selling Sunset always make me think of, like, one time I saw a luxury home being toured on YouTube and the real estate agent was like, come and check out all the entertaining value. And I was like, that just means many open-air rooms full of chairs, just different kinds of chairs. There's, like, a chase lounge in one room and there's, like, a conversation pit in another. Mm-hmm. And there's entertaining areas. As far as the eye can see, there's just 7,000 chairs. Yeah, there's barstools at Kitchen Island. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I can see them all now, all those many chairs. Yeah, and then the opposite of that, I guess, is, like, Kim Kardashian's mausoleum that she lives in where she has, like one white piano in one room and like one table made of sand in another (laughs) and then her bathroom which has like a plinth where you can't see the sink because Kanye designed it so that it was like looked like a big rock Mm -hmm. and then all the colors shunted to her kids rooms that no one ever sees Mm -hmm. I I mean I just can't get enough I can't get enough did you watch the episodes of the recent season of Kardashians where Chris and Chloe moved into their side-by-side the Dream answer homes? is no. The oh. answer is no. I gave up after ep two. Smart, smart. Anyway, quick side <laughs> note. They built homes side by side on the same property. Regression for Chloe. Babe, I just want her to have therapy and figure out why she's so attached to being like the loyal, responsible daughter. Anyway, that's another side note. And both of them just the way that they decorated their homes was wild. Like Chris had a walk-in pantry that was just all like Versace dinner sets and like tea sets and like soup serving vessels that probably cost like $10,000 of China. And all I'm thinking is like (laughs) the big one is coming to the West coast. Totally. And what is going to happen to these just rooms of glass? I also watch the homegrown version of selling sunset, which is, Lux Listings Australia on Amazon Prime. Oh, wow. Do you watch that? No, I've never watched a Lux Listing. We are two seasons in and uh, competition is hotting up. (laughs) Wait, what city is it set in? Sydney. Of course it's set in Sydney. Of course. Mm -hmm. Gorge. Um, I, (laughs) it really makes me miss Sydney. Really? Yeah, because it's just the, I don't know, this... Excessive glamour and wealth on display. <laughs> it's quite funny. I mean, of course, it's like too much and yuck and blah. Like yeah. we can, you know. Yeah, yeah. How lux are the listings we're talking about? Oh, they are. <laughs> they are super lux. Yeah. They are like beautiful, uh, like mansions, estates overlooking like Bronte Beach, mm. etc., mm. or overlooking the harbour with like sweeping views of the whole harbour from any level of the house. Like, 
Wow. Yeah, this is yeah, quite extreme listings. Yeah. But if anyone watches it, they went to this the country estate in season two, and I've been trying to work out where it is. I can't work out what it is for the life of me. Ah. It's 45 minutes out of Sydney. Okay. It appears to be like northwest to me. Okay. So maybe it's like Dural or something. It's like that's the area where like The Bachelor is filmed. Oh, uh, all right. So I think maybe it's around there. But if anyone has any intel, please give it to me. Imagine if Lux Listings did a crossover with The Bachelor and they sold the Batchy Mansion. That would be... I'd, I had watch. That'd be like at least seven minutes of TV. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Um, but the thing about Lux Listings is they have the same sort of music as uh, Selling Sunset, which is to say those like stupid little beats of like, I'm going shopping, I'm yeah. going shopping or whatever, you know. We're in California. Yeah, one literally. And there's like highways, just a big <laughs> roll of highways. Yeah. One literally was something like, this isn't Santa Monica or something. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, no duh, it's Sydney. No, but anyway. no duh, it's Sydney. <laughs> Title of episode. <laughs> anyway, I think it's quite an, an enjoyable show. I'm adding it to my list with Agatha Raisin. <laughs> Please do. The first episode of season two, they go to this crypto bros mansion. It is, it is all glass. glass and yeah, it's steel. so awful. And like some of the houses are actually quite nice on this. Yeah. But um, no, this one was just, it's worth watching just for that. It's disgusting. It's yeah. like a cesspit of sad bro tension you know Mm, Mm. I love how on these shows everything that everyone aspires to is yeah it's like you said in opposition to like an older home in Los Feliz which would probably be our choice it's like on Rehoboha how Erica Jane's fall from grace sees her moving into Hancock Park into like a beautiful Spanish bungalow which I'm like, that's the dream house, not this creepy old mausoleum that you lived in with Tom. Totally. But why are we watching, like, why are we watching these shows that are just about basically renovating beautiful old homes to make them disgusting? I don't know. Like, there are so many of those shows on Netflix, etc., where, like, people are flippers mm. and they buy the house that was really interesting and had lots of charm. Yeah. And now it's like, um, I'm not going to say it's minimalist or it's modernist. It's neither of those yeah. things. It's just like a boring dump. Or there's even worse is like motel makeover where they take like a genuinely old quirky kind of American roadside motel and two <laughs> kind of like Pinterest people take it over and are like here's a backdrop where we need to put a neon sign that says rosé every day and here's the pool where people are going to take instagram so we need to put a hashtag on the pool fence like and all the rooms are pink and they're cheap like you can just feel the creaky ikea mattress underneath Mm -hmm. you when you see the images of it and just tacky neon signs everywhere and it's like what a waste of a property so it's like taking i'd rather they knock it down (laughs) yeah it's like taking the Shit's creek thing too far slash the ace palm springs yes it's try hard the it's like if the vanderpump rules cast members took over (laughs) a hotel okay i'm uh, that that makes yeah yeah, now i get it now i totally get it yeah every event has to be called something cella (sighs) God, yeah. Yeah. I do know, unfortunately. It really is the embarrassing side of... I was about to say the embarrassing side of being a millennial. It's all fucking embarrassing. (laughs) I also watched The Block as of last year, which is... I would say that's one of the most embarrassing things about me. Hey, I'm a blockhead too. Are you? We've never talked about it. I haven't watched it in a few years because I've, like, fallen off free-to-air TV, being at home at a certain time, etc. But I love the block. Well, you can catch up on the Channel 9 app. Yes, 9 Now. Shout out. (laughs) (laughs) That's where I watch Gary Diaries. (laughs) I had to log into it today to see something that I did an interview on a program that was on on Channel 9. and Which one? Postcards and... (laughs) I, and I was like, oh, no, I have to create an account to be able to see it. And then I realized, oh, no, I don't. I just use my fingerprint. I'm logged straight in from when I was catching up on the block last year, which is a bad. It's not a great show, but 
I love the block. Oh boy, I just got so heavily involved in the personal conflicts between the people competing and also the truly disgusting work that they were putting in. For the most part, there are a couple of quite good contenders, but you know, contestants, but... I, I love the block. I love the drama. I love every time when it when it's like kitchen week or bathroom week and they can finally stop like showering in a bucket or mm-hmm. whatever. But the block does represent like what I guess is like the worst of interior design, which oh. is that concept mm. of like designing for like a future sale. Yeah. Um, and that whatever quote unquote personality or lack thereof you put into a new property or a renovation. I'm talking about this from my like rented apartment. (laughs) Like I've never had to do any of these things myself that it's all the investment is only worth whatever you can sell the place for in the future. It's not about your tastes or your interests, you know? Yeah. No, it's like when someone buys a place that just to turn it into like an Airbnb apartment. And then that's very, and of course we have seen, the destruction across many cities of the Airbnb yeah. world. Like affordable rental markets. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I spend a lot of time watching the Architectural Digest YouTube channel, which I know mm-hmm. everyone does. And something that I find really funny now is that there seems to be this kind of arms race of like young starlets of like having the coolest home decor arms race (laughs) (laughs) the contenders are kendall jenner with her barbara krugers and her james terrell Mm -hmm. and her tracy emin dakota johnson who we shouted out earlier (laughs) and her limes and her limes i mean never not funny photograph of hunter s thompson (laughs) she genuinely has the best house i think yeah I, i i agree yeah and then recently i saw Famously, Austin Butler's close friend, Ashley Tisdale. Did you see this meme going around where she was preparing for her Architectural Digest shoot and sent her husband out to buy like 300 books? Just She was like, go to a bookstore and buy as many books as you can because they're coming to photograph our house and we have no books on the shelves. And so he just put this random assortment of brand new like paperbacks didn't even go to like, you know, an antique store or mm-hmm. a secondhand shop or whatever. They didn't own any books themselves, I guess. Um, but wanted to look like readers. And then the best part is that in the video, she admits it. That's, um, I quite like that. At me least. too. But then what's the point of getting it done? Yeah. And what are you going to do with them afterwards? I don't know. They're really hard to give away. Yeah, and you're not reading them. Like, it's fine to not be a reader, but maybe don't get, like, a wall of shelves installed in your no, just gut get renovation. That, like, tacky wallpaper that looks like a library. Yeah. <laughs> like, they have it, that little Cinema Nova room where there's, like, four chairs and, like, oh, yeah. a library wallpaper. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, have you heard about the, like, fake book trend? So I discovered this watching one of my hate watch Queensland-based lifestyle beauty youtubers a couple of years ago she was like styling this new set of shelves in her living room and she was like I'm, i've got my books on there but they like don't match because she had like that neon orange don't give a fuck book and then like the barefoot investor <laughs> and like four <laughs> other books that were spun mm-hmm. off from podcasts or something mm-hmm. and they were all different colors which books are, Mm -hmm. but she wanted them all to look the same. And so she went online and she bought fake books, which are just cardboard boxes covered in like neutral, like taupe and beige covers. (laughs) What? So she's put like a, essentially like a shoe, an empty shoe box on her shelf that looks like a stack of books that are all similar colors because it's all about how it looks and not about having books. That's, I can't, wow. It's wild. And like that Tom Ford, that giant black Tom Ford book that every single like 24 year old girl who lives in New York and like posts her home on. Set a potted orchid atop it and away we go. Yes, Yes, precisely a sage stick on top. They sell those just as like big square boxes. (laughs) No. So you don't even have the book. You don't even have the you don't even have a coffee table book that requires nothing of you. And I was reading this article recently because I've been, you know, thinking about the fake book trend because I know that like 
people who sell secondhand furniture, like on Facebook Marketplace mm. or whatever, they have to style sure. a set of shelves. Sometimes they'll use like fake props and stuff mm. and they buy these like trendy coffee table books to do it with mm-hmm. or the fake versions. I found this article recently of this author who wrote about finding his novel or like a book that he had published in a very small run was popping up in all of these like lifestyle flat lay Instagram posts. And it was for sale as a fake cardboard box book online. (laughs) This is just blowing my mind. Yeah. It's a really dark, (laughs) dark trend. Like people are just taking the John Waters you know, misquote too yes. seriously of like, if you go home, if you go home with someone without books, don't fuck them. Yes. And he has since said, no, of course I'd fuck them. Yes. <laughs> but these people are like, I know I need books, but I don't want to fucking read. <laughs> I'm not a loser. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to have boxes. Yeah. Like I'll give you some of mine. I've got too many. Yeah. Same. That I'll never touch. Wow. I'm really, that's really tickled me. That was a dark segue. Sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> I started at Kendall's arms race. No. But I ended up there. I love it. I love it. <laughs> So there are some, obviously, some good celeb homes out there, Dakota and her limes, etc. but there are pretty bad ones too. There are pretty bad ones and that the bad ones sadly feel like the person, the famous person who lives in them had the most input. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. um, otherwise they're just going to be like, I mean, I'm sure Troy Sivan had a hand in his, but, you know... He, he loved those Noguchi lamps, but... I'm sure he did. Flax Studio helped him a lot. I think they might have. Yeah. And the job of a good decorator is to, like, express your client's, you know, personality mm. or interests in what you do for them so that they don't do it themselves mm-hmm. and do a, dare I say, do a Gigi. Mm-hmm. Um, Gigi Hadid, of course, in 2020, Sweet Angel was very pregnant and... It was in the middle of the pandemic and she was like, here's my labor of love, my New York City apartment, and posted a carousel of photos on Instagram. And the whole world said, what the fuck, Gigi? (laughs) Talk me through it because I can't remember it. You don't remember it? Mm. Okay. So it's kind of a contemporary apartment building that she, obviously she hasn't renovated it or, or styled like the the bones of the place, but she has just put her stuff in it, which obviously all of us do when we move into a home. But the way that Gigi put her stuff in it was like she painted different shapes of pasta, different colors, and then filled the glass front cabinets with different colored pasta in the kitchen. And then on <laughs> above that on the countertop, she had a big like wooden boat shaped salad bowl or fruit bowl, and in it was just billiard balls. What? And then you go into her bathroom, and on the this haunts me in my dreams. You go into the bathroom, and the wallpaper of this like ready-made apartment is like these these kind of dark grey vertical paneling, which I'm sure every apartment in this building has. But over it, she has just stuck up, like, pinned loose the covers of, like, a hundred New Yorker magazines. I That I remember. Yeah, not framed, no gaps between them. It's very, like, me with photos of S Club 7 in 2001, <laughs> like, just covering the wall, except they're New Yorker covers. And then there's, like, there's one element of trying to be, like, kind of chic and classic après ski of Gigi where in the living room she's got like an artwork that looks like I don't know COVID under a microscope it's yellow blobs I'm sure it's by a famous artist but she's got this big um like umbrella stand and she's got this set of vintage wooden skis coming out of it which I'm like chic but then next to it are brand new like fiberglass neon skis that she probably actually uses for skiing and they look hideous like a before and after of skiing totally and her sofa I think was made by oh the name is escaping me but she has like a it was like a designer collaboration her modular sofa but the print unfortunately looks like cushions from Ishka 
or like tree of life is it tree of life (laughs) tree of life yeah yeah they're very like boho Mm -hmm. you go up her (laughs) you go up the stairs and at the top of the stairs is just the bumper of a chevy like old and rusted hanging vertically on the wall (laughs) and then behind that is her glam room where she sits and gets her makeup done, which all the starlets have. Mm-hmm. But the chair that she has is like, again, it's kind of Ishka meets Sweeney Todd. It's like an old oh, vintage no. barber's chair. Oh, no. But with like a yellow kind of paisley print. Oh. And then the bathroom is just like a very expensive marble New York townhouse bathroom. It's so grim, Kate. <laughs> it sounds really atrocious. Yeah. I feel like... Oh, I haven't I, even mentioned the giant pencil. <laughs> oh. There's a giant, like, seven-foot-tall yellow pencil or pen by the front door next to her artwork that says, like, all genders, all races, <laughs> all shapes, all sizes, welcome here. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, my God. I mean, also as if. But, okay, the pencil I like. Show me your fat friend, Gigi. I I like the idea of the large oversized pencil. Yeah. It's like a class Oldenburg sort of thing. I would have one if I lived in, like, a warehouse or something, maybe, you know. I love an oversized item. My grandma used to have a giant salad fork and spoon. Oh, classic. Work in her Mm, dining room, which I always wanted. Mm. Yeah, but... Gigi's awful home went viral for like all the wrong reasons. So I wrote this article about it for the face where I tried to kind of figure out like why it was so horrible. And part of, I don't think I, I think we all know why it's horrible. It's just the things look bad and they don't match. (laughs) It's bad taste. But also it's kind of like naively sweet. Yeah. To be like, look at my house. Look at my macaroni cabinets. I'm a model. Like that's, I mean, at least it's her at yeah. least she's made it herself we knew from, we think we knew from yolanda that she loves a diy oh well yolanda and those lemons the lemons and those little um remember you yolanda had all the women on housewives paint tiny canvases oh i remember to give to Gigi when she mm. moved to new york to model and it was like the season with carlton the witch and like joyce uh-huh. and so they sent Gigi off to college with Artwork done by Carlton on Rehoboha. Like, no wonder her interiors are a little messy. (laughs) I'd kill for those. But I was like, I was talking, I interviewed Lucy Fegans from the Design Files for this story. And we were kind of trying to figure out, like, why it was so shocking to us that Gigi's taste was so bad. And we kind of started figuring out that, like, what is Gigi's style? What is any model's style, really, when we don't see them out partying anymore like we used to in the 90s? We only see models, like, in quote-unquote off-duty looks, where mm. it, which are, like, jeans and a T-shirt. Every other time we see them, it's because someone else has either dressed them for a runway or mm. for a shoot or for an appearance. Um, so it's like, what is Gigi's style if not Ishka meets Sweeney Todd, you know? Maybe that's it. Maybe that's her at her core. And we've all just decided because she's like a hot model that she's really chic and tasteful all these years. It sounds like like some kind of weird burning man meets like (laughs) Ikea cafeteria. I love being able to describe it to you because I have the image burned into my brain and you're just imagining. Like, I Mm. wish I could see what you're imagining right now. Something disgusting. Ikea cafeteria is actually not far off when I think of, like, the coloured macaroni cabinets. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Like, if she's a blank canvas, then, like, what is Cara Delevingne, you know? Like, (sighs) when she retired from modelling at, like, age 22 or something, I don't know, she was very young, she went out to, like, express herself and she got, like a lion tattooed on her finger and like bought a sex swing and like built a (laughs) vagina tunnel. And you know, maybe (laughs) Kara's now been in two architectural digest videos and they are somehow getting worse each time. I feel like the more we talk about it, the more I'm coming around to it, the more I'm like, (laughs) you got to watch it again. Pretty funny. It's all pretty funny. (laughs) Her, like her kind of 
what is it, mid-Atlantic accent also is so annoying because mm-hmm. she's so British and, like, she and Poppy, her sister Poppy, who I met once at a store opening, Poppy Delavine. Cara was probably too expensive. <laughs> but now she lives in America, so she has this, like, a really bizarre... Anyway, mm. stop talking about her accent. <laughs> <laughs> They're examples of the truly horrendous ones. Jinxie, I feel like I need you to, like, palate cleanse... <laughs> Like be my my mint sorbet. <laughs> what's what's a good one that you think of? Well, I don't know. I don't think of okay, my in the world of like being written up in like Daily Mail kind of, you know, that vibe of celebrity home, yeah. etc. Because I've got a lot of like artists homes and writers homes that I adore and aspire to. But I'm still really obsessed with the house that Joanna Newsom and Andy Samberg bought in like 2014 uh, in Beechwood Canyon in LA. It was, it's called Moorcrest. Okay. It was originally owned by, it's in like a Moorish style. It was originally owned by Charlie Chaplin and Mary Astor, but it was created, like designed specifically to house the utopian Crotona colony. So it's like this utopian house, you know, imbued with magic, essentially. Yeah. Perfect for Joanna Newsom. And I feel like it was made for you as well. Oh yeah. But at the time the listing was like open and there were like 41 photos that were released on this listing and they all disappeared within a week. Oh my God. But they're like saved across people's Pinterest boards. Mm-hmm. And that's like the only way you can see them now. And I do go back and revisit those every now and then. Have they ever done like a shoot in their home? Those two? I don't believe so. Yeah. Very private yeah. people. Yeah. So no. Oh, I hate when people are private. <laughs> But yeah, I, that is one that I'm, I would, I don't know what they've done to it, Mm. but I want to see inside it. And, uh, they bought it from the guy who was, who owns a couple of properties, like, um, establishments, I would say in LA. And he was doing up Clifton's cafeteria at the time, which I think has now closed, but uh, I went to the reopened one a few times. It was quite fun, but mm. um, yeah, I, I I love I love the I just love all of those houses that were created for like artist colonies or like utopian community groups mm. essentially, and especially if there's like a like religious cult aspect. Ideally, ideally that's what I'm that's what I'm after. Did you ever see when um the this is not a fun cult, but like the, <laughs> the house I guess which ones so are, many are the houses from. Um, the family in Victoria Mm. when those houses went up for sale and they were just like these large kind of dining rooms and living rooms and then just like narrow hallways with 12 bedrooms Mm. coming off them for all the children in the back. Yeah, like boarding houses essentially. It would be kind of an incredible artist's retreat now that I think about it. (laughs) Like everyone gets their own room and then these communal spaces. Turn something dark into something beautiful. Add in Alinda. Was that where it was? Yeah. Also, I'm like a massive sucker for a good celebrity home clickbait item. Like there was one that I just could not click fast enough the Mm -hmm. other day. I was on, I think it was on um, Architectural Digest. They're all on Architectural Digest, but it was Drew Barrymore is moved to tears during (laughs) kitchen demolition. Here's why. And I was like, yes, I need to know why. Yes. There was drywall in front of a window and she took the drywall down and when there was a window behind it she just knew there was a window behind it and she could still open it and she got emotional she knew that window was Mm. there did you see drew this week running out into the rain and ripping her glasses off and just celebrating being out in the rain oh bless drew barrymore yeah she feels everything very deeply oh she does doesn't she yeah do you follow susan orlean on instagram Yes, I do. That house. Oh, very good. Oh, my God. She moved into this beautiful mid-century marvel that seems to have built-in furniture. You know you found, like, a winner when you can't move your own stuff in because the house comes with its own mm. interiors as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm. man. Oh, man. 
I'm going to say the two houses that are pretty obs that to be obsessed with, but still obsessed, are the homes of John Waters and of Amy Sedaris. Uh, I'm not familiar with John's, but I, I know Amy's and her little rabbit. And then, well, John Waters just collects so many floor works, so like floor sculptures, essentially. <laughs> Essentially, so anyone can trip over them or hard to clean up around, etc. But it's just absolutely full of wild, wild shit. Amy did a was in a video on the. I love the cuts. Wendy Goodman on the cut. Her approach to doing interior videos because they're not always celebrities and they're not always like enormous places. They're often people who are like renting or in, you know, kind of like classic old pokey New York apartments, like Amy's that are just filled to the brim with Mm. like an expression of their inhabitant. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Live for it. And like, I, I really wish that I had kept all my old issues of Nest magazine. What was Nest? Nest was like the holy grail of an interiors magazine. It just covered really like eccentric homes and it was just like the design was perfect. God, it was good. Mm. I've still got a couple of issues. I think I've still got my John Waters and Amy Sedaris issues actually. Mm. Hopefully my sister's got a couple. She's always, she's got a few things Mm. and she's an interior designer. (laughs) I am. I really miss, um, not a magazine, but like the era of blogs like the Selby. Oh yeah. Um, that was like a must visit for me for so many years. I also just generally miss blogs, but the Selby, you could tell that the people he was photographing were people he thought was, were cool or people who had interesting stuff or interesting lives and not just interesting homes. Like the homes are like an extension of who they were. Mm. And my favorite of all time was Leslie Arfin's I think it was Lower East Side. It was a a small little railroad apartment in Manhattan. And it was just full of stuff like a novelty Dolly Parton cup. And then, you know, a wall of mugs with the front and center one being from The View. And above her sink and her stove were just books crammed in every corner where you would normally put like a spice rack. Mm. This was like a bathtub in the kitchen style. Yes. Apartment. A shower in the kitchen. I assume it was like a tenement building or something in the past. And she's kind of posed in the middle of that space, first wearing like a bikini and also wearing like a red kind of vintage ball gown. And it's just so good like it's such an expression of who she is yeah i did there's this trend going around tiktok that was like using an abba song and it's all people being like get over it it happened 20 years ago no one thinks about this anymore and then they put in flashes of like whatever niche interests they have Mm -hmm. um that they obsess about and i (laughs) tried it and did leslie arfin's apartment (laughs) from the selby and someone commented and went um, fire hazard much? Oh God, get alive! And I was just like, "Fuck off!" Grow Enjoy something up. for once. Grow up. Grow up. Now I've got to get off Twitter, uh, TikTok, oh, no. as well as Twitter. No, no. <laughs> there are a lot of artist houses I would love to visit. I've always wanted to visit George O'Keefe's homes in Me New too. Mexico. I've never made it down to Derek Jarman's Prospect Cottage in Dungeness in the UK. Been very close many times, mm. but that was recently saved by the Art Fund. So I can still go there. And it's open to visitors? It's not really, no. <laughs> Just pop by. <laughs> Just pop by. Just pop by. <laughs> see if anyone's home. They might let show you around. See the garden. Yeah. See that glorious garden. <laughs> um, speaking of artist homes, one of my most visited ones is the home of a friend of yours, which makes me feel quite strange, which is Olivia Lang's home in Suffolk, which was photographed for House and Garden UK. And it's just, it's just the dream. It's truly my dream. That garden is magnificent. The garden is magnificent. The house is magnificent. The artwork, the books stuffed into every corner, the color, the drawings of David Waranovich everywhere you look yeah it's spectacular it's perfect Mm. sometimes when i'm having a bad day i just type in the letter o into google and it auto completes (laughs) olivia lang suffolk home and uh i get to visit it for a few minutes yeah it's funny how you uh, turn to those sorts of yeah i mean i love to look at that more 
like the Moorcrest <laughs> house, like a little pick me up or something. Yeah, there's something very soothing about it. I mean, not to not to be too obvious, but it is there's something similar to the feeling you get from like a comfort film. And as I was preparing for this, I thought about how the way that Nora Ephron, I believe she like insisted that the interiors in You've Got Mail change throughout the film. So like as Meg Ryan's character breaks up with her boyfriend and like her business closes and her life is completely upended. The thing that a person would do in that situation is move her furniture around in her house. And so like her bed is in a different position to what it is in the start of the film. And like everything's like slightly tweaked. And I really appreciated that as someone who every couple of years would be like, I'm going to put my bed on a different wall. See what happens. Yeah, exactly. What will this bring? Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I really love that. And like, obviously her, Interiors are... What do you make of all the articles about the millennial style of, you know, like how it was all very Instagram and curvy, checkered, etc. but now the zennials are leading towards cluttercore. Is this something that we're actually giving life to? Based on the time I spend on TikTok, I don't believe it to be exactly true because what I am witnessing in like people in their late teens, early twenties is a move towards an absolute minimalism because kind of having your shit together has become such a desirable aesthetic that it means you have nothing on your surfaces. You have no displays of personality, the Matisse print on the wall and the boob print bath mat that are both referenced in that great Molly Fisher piece on the cut about the millennial aesthetic I think they're going out, but replacing them are like the white cloud couch and like a matching set of athleisure wear that you put on as you empty your dishwasher and film it and put it on TikTok because that's like an aspirational lifestyle piece of content. I don't think I'm articulating myself very well here. No, I get it. Yeah. But I think that, I, I mean, what I'm witnessing is like an absolute absence of personality or uniqueness. And I think part of it is that young people are only seeing from influencers and growing up watching YouTube and Instagram and all of these people living their lives alone in beautiful apartments in LA or New York, um, young people are skipping the step of living in shitty houses or with a bunch of people. It's all apartments for one. Yeah. I, this, this is really sending me. Yeah. I don't understand it. Like, I don't know how people, I guess it's that people live with their parents if they can Mm. longer to save up enough to live by themselves immediately. I guess, God, I'm such a grandma here, but Mm. I think it's just an expectation that you will live by yourself, which is something that I find quite upsetting. Yeah, like share houses is truly where it's at for your 20s. I mean, you should have to deal with someone stealing your shit from the fridge or hating someone's disgusting, Mm. you know, furniture in the shared common, you know, in the Mm. like lounge room or whatever, like. Absolutely. I totally agree. I think it teaches you about like compromise and just like being a human in the world in this, in this, a similar way to like having a hospo job does. I know people who are like, everyone should always, should have to work in hospitality at least once in their life. Cause it helps you relate to people and be a more empathetic person. But yeah, I think there is this step that is skipped and perhaps it's because of how I like the kind of things I consume on the internet, but A thing I can pinpoint that could be a reason for it is that the idea of documenting your daily life, it's not just for like influencers or like quote unquote special people anymore. The most mundane, it's like, follow me as I get ready for work. You can't film all that shit if you're living with other people who need to use the bathroom or who left plates out on the counter the night before or who are going to laugh at you if you're like filming yourself posing in front of a mirror all morning. You're blowing my mind. Do you really think that that is a reason for people to... I, I don't think it's a conscious reason. Yeah, right. But I think it's part of it. But yeah, I mean, that's that's my theory. I've been kind of pondering on it for a while because the idea of this, like, it's called the that girl aesthetic and it's very much for, like, white, thin, 
cis able-bodied women who like look really good in a little like workout set and a claw their hair in a claw clip and they live in a nice white box apartment that has a dishwasher and a gym and they clearly don't live with anyone because they can film themselves like doing elaborate hair and skincare Mm. routines in the bathroom and every time they put on an outfit we see it yeah right yeah it's funny because i see that all the time on like instagram and social media yeah the sunday reset the vacuuming account that is white and no one has sat on every (laughs) week that's something that i have been sort of struggling with it's like all these like articles that about like the millennial aesthetic and Mm. like interior wise and the zennial aesthetic Mm. I'm really neither of those things, but I'm like, how can there even be an zenial interiors aesthetic? I like, (laughs) yeah. Don't you kids live in like (laughs) shitty share houses? No, they don't. I guess. I mean, I saw a thing this week that like, I mean, they still do. They still do. Yes. I'm sure there are so many people that still do. I just am not seeing that because the algorithm is not favoring that content i guess but yeah i kind of i i'm i'm fully embracing if clutter core or whatever we're gonna call it is the next move i'm fully embracing it because one of the things i always think when i see people online or sometimes even see celebrities like an ashley tisdale and they're showing you around their space i just think where is all your stuff who has stuff anymore? Yeah, I've got stuff. Yeah, you have stuff. And like the stuff tells someone walking into your home what you're about. Yeah, once um, a friend of a friend of a friend uh, was subletting my old apartment in Sydney and he described it as fruity. And I think it was a diss, but <sighs> you know what? I took it as a compliment. I would too. Especially because I know what that apartment looked like and it was gorge. It was gorge. Yeah. Someone once came into my old apartment, which was just wall to wall shelves. And they said, this must be what the inside of your brain is like. And it was a compliment. Yeah, that is. And I took it as one. And you should. Yeah. I'm looking around. Yeah, that's correct. Just like lots of things. Mm-hmm. Rattling around. Yeah, it's a very see also. Not connected to one another. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I have a see also that I thought of as I was thinking about homes in pop culture and the world. And it's this old zine that I bought years ago, I think from the MoMA book fair maybe like eight years ago. And it's called Evil People in Modernist Homes in Popular Films. Do you have one? Yeah, I've got that. Yeah. <laughs> this is volume one. I'm not sure how many volumes they made. It was made in 2010. I know we could talk about movie homes. That's like a whole other thing. Because oh I really need to talk about the apartment that Diane Keaton gives up in Baby Boom at some point publicly. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a big conversation to have. Okay. Mm. Yeah, it needs to happen. We've been talking a lot about kind of aspirational homes and homes that shouldn't be aspirational, I should say, but I've been following uh, in a more kind of realistic housing query. uh, I've been following Emily Gould's search for an apartment to rent in New York for herself, her partner and their two young children Mm -hmm. on Curbed. I don't know if you've seen this series. I haven't read it. No, it's really great. So she is, searching for she's got like a a couple of things that she needs to you know accommodate them nicely yeah but she only has like 45 she had 45 days or something like to find it until they had to move out of the place that they're currently renting and she details many of the inspections she goes to and through this series people have reached out to her with oh I'm actually moving out of this place and then she'll follow up on that and it's actually disgusting etc uh-huh. or it just doesn't quite work or it's out of the school district blah 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 I highly recommend uh, we'll post a link mm. to it uh, it's Emily Gould's apartment hunt It's time for Also Also's, the segment at the end of every episode where Kate and I recommend things that we are enjoying. Jinxie, what's your first one? i got to listen also to start. It's a reissue of songs by a singer named Jackie Shane, who I was not familiar with, but she was an incredible R&B soul singer who was mostly prominent in the 60s. Uh, she was a pioneering trans woman singer. Uh, she has the most incredible 
voice. And there's a great reissue from Numero Group from a couple of years ago that just kind of passed me by. And I found out about it completely by accident the other day. Uh, and it's called Any Other Way. And I've been listening to that pretty nonstop. I have a watch also, and it's kind of a strange one because it's something I haven't watched yet, but it's something I wanted to share with you and with our listeners. Re a recent convo about the new Angel Olsen album. She has recorded a live show performing from her new record, Big Time, and it's going to be streaming. I've bought my ticket to the live stream, and I just want to let everyone know that they can do the same. By the time this episode comes out, I think there's a few more days that it's out. I'm very excited about it because she recorded this live session at a place called the Theatricum Botanicum in Topanga Canyon, which feels like a very jinxy kind of place. Oh, in Topanga is. Yeah. The it's she said that there's there's this incredible outdoor theater down the road from where she recorded the album. And I looked into the history of it because I had never heard of it and it just sounded like kooky and I was picturing like a little Dutch village or something like all the buildings made out of logs honestly I wasn't far off but it's this little amphitheater and it was the surrounding space was founded by a man called Will Gear who was friends with Woody Guthrie among other things that he did he would go on to play the grandfather figure in the Waltons until his death so it was like a very popular part of like American pop culture history but at the time that he founded this place he had to give testimony before Congress, like during the McCarthy era, and he refused to name people who are members of the Communist Party. So he became one of the actors and performers who were blacklisted. And he so he went on to open this place as a theatre for blacklisted actors and folk singers. And according to Wikipedia, it says he also cultivated a large garden and unable to find work in Hollywood, Gear and his family earned a living by selling vegetables, fruit, herbs and theatre. I love it. Selling theatre. So, it's better um, than selling Sunset. <laughs> selling the canyon. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't sell the canyon. Don't ever sell the canyon. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the history of the place, I think, is like makes for like a very cool background mm-hmm. for the Angel Olsen record big time. So, yeah, the link will be in the show notes. That's so good. I hadn't heard about that. Um, my next one is a read and follow also. Mm-hmm. So there was a New Yorker article about this incredibly inspiring man whose path I did not know about until the other day. And now, gosh, I'm glad to you know be in his company. His name's Steve Grieg. He is an accountant from Colorado. And Susan Orlean, who you mentioned before, profiled him. Susan Orlean of The Beautiful House. She profiled him and he had a dog, like a senior dog, who passed away. And I think in like 2012 or something like that. And he adopted another senior dog straight after, essentially, to like because he didn't have his dog anymore. He wanted to give life to another one. Because as we know, senior dogs do not really get adopted from dog shelters or pounds. And he's just amassed this like incredible kooky senior dog crew. He's got like 10 dogs all from like from 10 to about 19. Oh. All with their various ailments and great names. My favorite name at the moment is Mrs. Woolworth. No. Some of them wear clothes, some do not. Um, and he also has a pig named Bikini and a turkey who is partially blind and also when it gets stressed, it can't hold its head up. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I know, right? It's, this is relatable content. And so anyway, this profile is really lovely about him and what he does for the dogs and great photos. But he is also quite famous, as it turns out, on Instagram. He is Wolfgang2242. And he details the lives of his dogs and his own life. He just had surgery on his leg. and I'm sending him well wishes. Uh, And he's really funny and he just gives such character to these really beautiful animals. I just, it's just like this bit of joy in, you know, anytime he posts and there's quite a a back catalog to get through. Bikini the pig. Bikini the pig. I mean. Bikini the pig has its own like special little pink bed that it has to get up and off. Of course she does. does. She's a princess. Oh, I love it. Oh my gosh. I don't know how I'm going to follow that. Should we wrap it up? I've got a 
floss also. <laughs> I'll keep it short. It's dental floss, specifically the brand Dr. Tongue's Smart Floss. It comes in cardamom flavor. I just finished a roll last night. I bought a, what I thought was one roll, but turned out to be a pack because I had to buy it off Amazon. I keep it on my coffee table so I don't forget to floss before I go to bed. Good on you. Thank you. Anyway, it's no bikini. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is a bikini. Oh. Uh, my last one is a donate also. We've been talking so much about acquiring decorations and land and you know what to put in our homes and it's you know I don't want to be trite but it is a reminder that we are not just living on stolen land but we're decorating on it too and we need to pay the rent and would highly recommend if you can of course always with the caveat of if you can to give some money to paytherent.net.au which is organized by First Nations uh, and non-First Nations people working together as the Pay the Rent Grassroots Collective, which is based here in Nam. That's a great reminder when we talk about things like the block and selling sunset. And my final one is a listen also. It's a podcast that I didn't know existed until very recently. We bring him up every week at this point. Matt Rogers from Las Culturistas Fire Island. I love that for you. At Al. He has another job. He's the host of the HBO Max Movie Club podcast. What? Yeah. I assume he's getting paid really well for okay. it. Um, every episode, he talks about a different film that I assume is on HBO Max in the States with a person who is either a fan or involved in some way. So I listened to my first episode recently and it was an absolute joy. Um, his guest was Michael Showalter, mm-hmm. um, who among so many other things, including being a kind of like initial creative partner on Search Party and The State, Wet Hot American Summer and all these things that I adore. He also directed The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which is one of my favorite films I've seen this year. And I'm so glad that Jesse Chastain won the Oscar. And they talk about the film. They talk about Tammy Faye. They talk about Jessica Chastain singing and kind of feeling like she in that performance is about to like tip over the edge of crying every time she like expresses herself. And there are just some really funny Matt Rogers isms like, I guess in every episode he writes a little original song about the film and so he sings to Michael Showalter, who is one of his executive producers on I Love That For You. So they talk about that show a lot, but he sings him a song about the film and then near the end they get into a discussion about what your favourite soup is and when Michael Showalter says gazpacho, Matt Rogers cannot hold back from his judgement. He's like, really? A cold soup? I love a gazpacho. I do too, but don't tell him. Don't tell him. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening to See Also. If you liked it, please tell your friends. Follow us on Instagram at See Also Podcast and give us a five-star rating and review us on Apple Podcasts, please. Thanks as always to Samuel Hodge for our beautiful artwork and Harvey Sutherland for our original theme music. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.